We really appreciate the Blackwood Brothers being here this morning. And I know it's a little longer than what it normally will be this morning, but I'm not going to preach a full sermon, okay? Some of you say, praise God. <laughs> I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about this subject. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. You know, one day after Jesus' death, and you know, most of the time when people die, their influence, the impact that they make, rapidly declines. But you know, with Jesus, if you looked at the world 100 years after he, after he died, his impact was even greater. 500 years after he died, his impact was greater. A thousand years after he died, his impact is greater. Two thousand years after he died, his impact is greater. And you know, there's nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. You know, I heard somebody say not too long ago when Steve Jobs died, they wondered about, you know, the different people that had died. You had Bob Hope, you had Johnny Cash and Steve Jobs. And they said, man, now we have, we have no jobs, no cash, and no hope. <laughs> but let me tell you something. As long as Jesus is alive, we've always got hope. Because there's nobody like Jesus. You know, when we start thinking about Jesus and who Jesus was, you know, Christianity is so different than any other religion. And yet, in America today, I was saddened to read not too long ago that half of Americans now don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. Half. Barnes says at least half. For younger Americans, the next generation, it's even far more than half. The Barnes study also showed that the same percentage of people in our nations don't believe that Jesus Christ was sinless. And with those two stats in mind, it's not surprising that a grow growing number of Americans believe that they don't need Jesus' help to go to heaven, that they can do it on their own. Most Americans nowadays believe their good works is what's going to get them into heaven. You know the amazing thing about that, I was reading not too long ago about Elton John. You know who he is if you're my age. Elton John said in Parade Magazine that he said Jesus was a compassionate, super intelligent gay man who understood human problems. That's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. Our confusion over Jesus isn't something that you see only in the secular world. I believe it's in Christian circles too. I read not too long ago that there was a New Testament professor at Wheaton College that said Jesus was a really, really good guy. Now, I believe that he was a really, really good guy, but he was far more than that. And you would think that a New Testament professor at Wheaton College hopefully was quoted out of context. Because if he wasn't, they need to get him somebody that's got a little more bones than that. You know, when you start talking about Christianity, Christianity isn't a philosophy. Christianity is a person. You see, you can have Islam without Muhammad. You can have Buddhism without Buddha. You can have Confucianism without Confucius. But you can't have Christianity without Christ. And 
Philip Brooks one time, you, we, we, we sing some of his songs. He was actually a preacher. He said it's necessary to have a personal experience with Christ to be a Christian. His response, a personal experience with Christ is Christianity. That's what it is. You see, Christianity isn't a code. It's not a creed. It's not a cause. It's not a church. It's Christ. So this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus. You got your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 1? Let's, re let's read together in verses 1 to 3. Would you like to stand this morning? How many have been sitting a while? You want to get the blood redistributed in your body? I'm sure that if you're like me, it starts to pool. <laughs> Ask me afterwards what that means. Let's read the first three verses, all right? Let's read it together. God, who at sundry times... In diverse manners spake and by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, You did good. Be seated. You did good. I love the sound of all those voices saying God's word at the same time. That's pretty neat. Now, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about who Jesus Christ is. Let's see what the Bible says. Let's look at a couple of things right out of this passage. Notice, first of all, that Jesus is God. Look at verse 3 in your scriptures. It says, who being the brightness of his glory... And the express image, the exact representation of his person. Paul said to the Colossi church, he says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2 and verse 9. In other words, Jesus is a man. He's a human being just like us, only different. You see, we're human and only human. Jesus was human and God at the same time. That means that when you talk about Jesus, when you look at the scriptures, you need to pay special attention to passages like where Philip said to unto the Lord, he said, Lord, show me the Father. That's really all I need. And Jesus said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, how can you be with me with such a long time and not know me? You say, Pastor, how is that possible? How is seeing Jesus the same as seeing God? The Hebrews here says that he is the express image of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being. That word there for ex express image refers to something that's engraved. If you have a coin today, you'll notice on that coin, if you have a quarter, there's a guy's head on that corner, uh, on that coin, and it's George Washington. You have a representation of the first president of the United States that's been stamped on that coin. And you know, when you look to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he was, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he was the image of the invisible God. 
That word image there is that word that you have on your computer. He is the icon of God. That's what it's talking about. Jesus said in John 14, 9, he says, Who if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 30, I and the Father are one. So if you want to know what God's like, what you got to do is you got to study the scriptures and find out what Jesus is like because Jesus is the exact image, the representation of God in the flesh. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Now, no wonder Jesus is perfect. No wonder Jesus is sinless because his Father was perfect. His Father was sinless. Did it ever occur to you that Jesus never one time ever had to retract anything that he ever said? Did you ever stop and think about the fact that when Jesus spoke, he never had to go back and say, hey, I misspoke. Did you ever stop and think that Jesus never one time ever had to apologize for anything that he ever did? Jesus on one occasion asked a crowd of people, which one of you convinces me of sin? If I'm a sinner, point out one time I've ever sinned. And by the way, they were silent. Because Jesus is the exact representation of his father. And because God is perfect, Jesus was sinless. Jesus himself was perfect. That's why when he died on the cross, he could look out and could say, Father, forgive them. Not forgive us. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. If I were to ask you this morning, uh, point, point out Jesus' strong points. Now, I know that's a trick question. It assumes if you have strong points that you have some weak ones. Let me ask you a question. What were Jesus' weak points? He didn't have any. All of Jesus' were strong points. Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. See, you say, Pastor, what are you saying? That Jesus Christ is God. Mark it down. He's God in the flesh. But let me go a step further and say not only is he God, he's the creator. Look at the way this verse reads. Verse number two, it says, hath in these last days spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir over all things because he, he was the one that made the worlds. Some say that he's the one, some translations use the word Ages. He's the one that created the ages. You say, Pastor, what are you saying to us? Hey, bottom line is this. The Bible says in Colossians 1.16, For in him all things were created that are in heaven and the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or, or, or dominions or principalities and powers. You say, what is the scripture saying to us this morning? The Bible says in John 1, 3, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made. Jesus is creator. I hope you don't believe there was a big bang. I don't, I hope you don't believe in some big cosmic boom. Now the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. That word God in Genesis chapter one, there's that word for Elohim. It's interesting when you talk about that in Elohim, it's always a, a plural noun. 
Elohim is always a plural noun. And it's interesting that that plural noun is always followed by a singular verb. You say, Pastor, why does that make any difference? In other words, when we speak of ourselves collectively in the plural, we should say, we are. Yet literally what that verse is interpreted, God says, we is. We is. Now, it's not good grammar, but it's incredible theology. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? It's saying that there in the beginning there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And who created the world? They did. God did that. Everything that was created came from God. And so the Bible says the entire Godhead was over all of those things. He created the world. When Jesus walked this earth, Jesus had power over disaster. For example, he'd go inside of a storm and he'd say, peace, be still. And there was peace. When Jesus had power over demons. He could say to a demon-possessed man, come out of him. And the demons would run like scalded dogs. Jesus had power over disease. He could say to a leper, be healed. And the spots would look for a place to hide. Jesus had power, listen to me, over death because he went to Lazarus' tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. By the way, if you've got that much power, you can surely create the world. You see, Jesus is the creator. By the way, he has power over depravity because he can say from the cross, Father, forgive them. And he did. Well, quickly, I see Jesus as being God. I see Jesus as being creator. Notice he's also the sustainer. Look at the way the verse reads. Look at verse number three. Who being in the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, he upholds, notices, all things by the word of his power. The Bible says he upholds all things. Not only did Jesus create all things, but he upholds all things. Jesus spoke the worlds into existence, and Jesus, by the way, upholds that creation even right now as we sit here in this building with his power. Did you ever think about the implications of that? The sun has a surface temperature of 12,000 degrees. If we was any closer, we'd burn up. If we was any farther away, we'd freeze. You say, Pastor, how does the earth stay just exactly where it's at? Because he upholds all things with his power. Amen. Did you ever stop and think about our globe is tilted on an exact angle, 23 degrees? And by the way, that therefore gives us uh, four seasons. We're fixing to go into the fall, yes or no? Winter's starting to knock on the door. Hey, how many of you complain when it's too hot during the summer? The great thing about the summer in Tennessee is fall's coming. Yeah. You say, Pastor, how does that take place? He upholds all things with his power. If you, if you ever thought about this, if the moon didn't retain its exact dimension from the earth, the tides would flood the world twice a day. The tides of this world is controlled by the gravity of the moon. You say, Pastor, who put that moon there? Who keeps it there? He upholds all things with his power. 
if the earth rotated just a little bit slower than what it does, every day it goes around one time every 24 hours. You say, Pastor, how does it do that? He upholds all things with his power. Hey, are you listening to me? He not only is the creator, he is the sustainer. That truth is taught to us in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17. The Bible says, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That word consist there is the idea of glue. Jesus is the glue that keeps everything moving and grooving. Yeah. You see, he's the creator, but he's also the sustainer. Some of you watched as I watched. We've got some pictures I'm going to show you real quick. Uh, I hope one of these guys, there you go. How many saw these guys right here? Did you see this uh, movie that was called Their Finest Hour? I read that book not too long ago. Then I saw it in the movies. It was a pretty cool movie. It was about a guy that got on a little bitty boat like that, and a, and a big wave came and tore a boat completely in half up in Maine in the wintertime in frigid water. And this young man went out there and began to rescue all of these guys on that little bitty boat. When it was all said and done, they had 36 guys. 36 guys on a boat that was made for eight. I thought it was interesting when they, when they talked to this man and they interviewed him after that whole thing was over. He said, you know, it was a strange thing. It was almost like God directed it. It's almost like God had something to do with it. By the way, can I help you? He does. He does. You see, our God is a sustainer. But notice the last thing in verse number three, it says, and I want you to get a hold of this. The Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. He's God. But listen to me. The greatest thing about him today is that he's our redeemer. Notice the Bible says he purged our sins. Some translations said he, he purified, he purification of our sins. You say, Pastor, what did that? What can wash away my sin? That's an old one too, isn't it? Yeah. You say, Pastor, what washes away our sins? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus purged our sins, notice he sat down. You know, it's so unusual in the Bible. In the Old Testament, did you know there's not one chair, not one chair in the tabernacle? Why? The priest's job was never done. They purged sins from sunup to sundown. They called it the Levitical drudges. When a priest was done, his entire uh, coat was blood splattered from all of the sacrifices all day long. 
atoning for the sins of the children of Israel. Two and a half million. They would sin. They'd go get a sacrifice. They'd bring it to the priest. He'd sacrifice it. They'd go out and they would sin. They'd come back with a lamb. They'd sacrifice. And it went on and on and on and on. And John the Baptist said when he saw him, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Once and for all, by the way. You say, Pastor, why did he sit down? Because there's nothing else that needs to be done. When Jesus purged us our sins, when Jesus gave us the purification for sins, it was finished. He sat down. Amen. And by the way, let me help you something. There's only one time that he ever gets up. You listening? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 that he lives to make intercession for us. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says that there's a guy named Satan who is the accuser of the brethren, and he comes before God night and day, and he brings up the past, and he dredges up all the failures of our lives, and he brings them to Jesus, and he brings them to the Father, and Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, and Satan stands before him, and he accuses the brethren. And Jesus gets up, and Jesus said, now wait a minute. I died for that sin at the cross. I paid for that when I purged their sins at Calvary. Listen, that, blood, that sin is under the blood. That sin has been purged. That sin has been taken care of. And folks, listen to me. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've invited Christ into your heart and into your life, you have been purged from your sins. And if anybody ever brings it up, if anybody ever mentions it, the Bible says that Jesus stands up. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And when he stands up, he's never lost a case. When he stands up, he says, Lord, uh, I paid for that. I purged that sin. I took care of that sin at Calvary. It's finished. Amen. By the way, that ought to make even a Baptist at least get a goosebump. Isn't it great being saved? Amen. Incredible. You see, folks, he's our redeemer. Our salvation is paid in full. It's finished. And he sits forever at the right hand of God to make intercession for us. And the scripture says that all I've got to do is come to him and say, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, Pastor, how do you get your sins forgiven? How do you get purged? How do you say goodbye to the past? You come to Jesus Christ and you confess your sins to him and he takes it and takes it as far as the east is from the west. Fantastic. Let me show you a story and I'll, I'll quit with this real quick. You remember these guys? You remember those Chilean miners that were trapped? Listen to this. 700 meters below the surface of the earth for 69 days. They sent down through a hole about this big. They sent down all of the stuff to make sure that they were alive. They sent down microphones and TV cameras and they began to send down supplies and all kinds of stuff. They were living, listen to this, on one gulp of milk each a day. 
They open up can of tuna and they would eat one tablespoon of tuna every other day. And for 69 days, these men lived in that dark, deep hole. You know, the amazing thing was they began to rescue these guys. Can you go back and show me when they're pulling them out? Do you get that one where when they started pulling these guys out one by one? You remember that? You know, the amazing thing was about, you remember they, 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 they found them, they knew they were alive, and they began to send things down the hole. One of the things they sent down through the hole was a thing called the Jesus Project, the Jesus Film And they sent down ways so that they could watch that movie, Campus Crusades, behind all of that. And they sent that thing down through that hole. And these guys began to watch the Jesus movie. And guess what happened? A bunch of them began to trust Christ as their Savior. And when they came up, they were were wearing T-shirts from the Jesus film. Isn't that great? Isn't it amazing how God can take you down and put you in a hole 700 meters, 2,100 feet below the surface of the earth for 69 days just so that he can capture your attention and tell you about Christ? Wouldn't you rather just go to a church like ours today? Huh? And to find out that you can be purged from your sins because Jesus Christ is wonderful. He's our redeemer. Do you know him today? Are you sure that you're saved? I sure hope so. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Heavenly Father, speak to us now. Lord, as we close our service this morning, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts. God, I pray for that person that's maybe here today that's never heard about Jesus Christ. Help them to realize that Jesus Christ is God. And he's the creator. And he's the sustainer. But most importantly, he loved us enough to die for us on the cross. God, I pray that today we would know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Just for a second. We're almost done with our service. No one leaving just for a moment. Would there be those this morning who say, Pastor, I know Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my creator, my sustainer, but most importantly, I know him as my redeemer. How many this morning would say, Pastor, I've got that settled in my heart. I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. How many can give that testimony today? Would you lift your hand all over this room? Just for a second, would you lift it high? You can put it down. Now, is there one this morning who would say, Pastor, I am not sure about that, but I'd like to be. Oh, I tell you what, Jesus Christ loved you enough to go to the cross and pay for your sins. He purged them. They're gone. It's finished. You don't have to do anything to be saved. Jesus did it all. Is there one this morning who say, Pastor, will you remember me as you close? I'd like to be sure that I'm saved. Is there anyone like that? Say, Pastor, pray for me. This, would you lift it high? Is there anybody like that this morning? Pastor, remember me. I'd like to be sure that I'm saved. Little hand here. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning? Can I pray for you today? Heavenly Father, speak to us now. Lord, thank you for the wonderful music that we've heard today. Our hearts were thrilled. 
Lord, thank you for the wonderful Word of God that tells us who you are, who you really are. And God, we pray that today this young man would know Christ as his Savior. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Is there one this morning say, Pastor, I'm looking for a church home? Or Pastor, I've been saved, I need to be baptized? Maybe you've been saved in the home this week and you need to make it public that you're God's child. Is there anybody this morning say, Pastor, would you remember me with those three things? My salvation, uh, profession of faith, my baptism or my church membership? Can I pray for you this morning? Is there anyone like that? Can I pray for you this morning? Heavenly Father, speak to us now. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Look up here. We're going to sing. We're going to stand in just a second. And we want you to come today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, don't leave this place without Jesus. Man, does he ever love us or what? It's incredible. Let's stand. We're going to stand now. As we stand, let's pray or let's sing. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith, and be close and drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Hey, you can be seated. We're glad you're here this morning. Can I encourage you with something? You know, when we give the invitation, that's not the bell to leave. I don't think there's anything more important than souls hanging in the balance of heaven and hell. And we had about 30 people just leave. That's not right. I'll bet you five bucks if Jesus was talking here today, you wouldn't have left. You've been smitten with blindness, maybe. You might stumble out there in the parking lot looking for that car. Hey, listen, why don't we do God a favor? This is church. Let's treat it that way. It's important. Amen. Amen. And you say, Pastor, all the ones that left didn't hear what you said. They'll hear. I've been a pastor a long time. They'll hear. I promise you, they will. But man, listen, let's not get lazy. Let's not give Satan any help. Y'all listening? That's not right. Let's not do it that way. Let's, Let's hang in there. If it was extra innings, you wouldn't gripe a bit. You'd just hang in there. Right? Our exercise is coming. It's time for our offering. This is for the Blackwood Brothers. How many of you enjoyed that? Now, everything that comes in in this offering is for them. And all those ones that left that are speeding out of the parking lot right now, they didn't get a chance to be a part of their ministry. Isn't that a shame? Come on, isn't that a shame? Yeah. I want these guys to go everywhere and sing. The way they sang this morning, I don't get to hear it like that much. I like that. So I want to be a part of their ministry this morning. Now, this is a very unusual group. I'm going to be really honest with you. I count it a great privilege to have them in our church. When I was a kid, I heard the Blackwood Brothers, and I thought, wow. 
holy mackerel. And now I get to have them in our church. I think it's incredible. I really do. But let me tell you one thing that makes them unusual. They don't come with a preset figure that they have to have. They're dependent on what we give. So let's show them that Metro Baptist isn't a bunch of cheap turkeys. Don't you think we ought to show them that we're good people and that we love Jesus and what we do is for the Lord? All right, somebody said, Pastor, I'm broke. Christmas ain't got you that quick. Black Friday can't be on Black Sunday, is it? (laughs) Let's give now. Let's give to them. Let's show them how much we love them. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity of giving to these folks today. We're so thankful for them. Thank you for the work that they do, the places they go, the time they're away from their families the sacrifices they make to sing here, there, and everywhere. God, we're grateful for them. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, as you give. Thank you for having a part in Black Brothers Ministry. And uh, a couple of things I want to say just real quickly. It's an honor to be at John's home church today, and thank you for making us feel at home. Uh, he brags on you all the time, and uh, we're glad to be here today. And also, I, I just want to say something. This is kind of personal, but I'm going to just say it anyway because I feel led to uh, years ago, I used to play a lot of recording sessions here in town, and one of the most sought-after musicians on any sessions I ever played with was a pianist named Tony Migliori. It was this gentleman right over here. And I did not have any idea he was here. I had no idea we were going to see him today, and he came out and said, Glenn, I don't know if you remember me, and I said, Tony Migliori? Of course I remember you. Uh, but what an honor to see him today. He's going to give us a chord. We're going to do one more acapella hymn for him. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all, when we all get to heaven, 